Blog Talk Radio.
for several years now that we're going to have of this Uranian-Pluto square. And um, tonight, tomorrow, and all weekend, we're going to be adding the sun to that mix. So we're going to talk about what is a T-square and um, how does it affect us all. Right now, I have somebody actually holding in the uh, switchboard and like to see who that is. Hi, area code 901. You're on the inside connection. Hi, Dr. Craig. It's Lenise. I'm just listening into the forecast. Oh, okay, Lenise. Well, it's good to have yeah. you here. Well, thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Okay. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, everything's good out here. We had over well, a month yeah. of the hottest weather, and I think the whole country, <laughs> right? And um, now it finally broke, and it's been nicer. Oh, I'll jump in and good. talk a little bit about that T-square, okay? Okay. Thank okay. You. So um, a T-square is when three planets, at least three planets, um, make a an opposition. Two of them are opposed to each other, means they're kind of in opposite signs. And one planet, at least, is at the right angle to those signs. So it makes like a T. You have two things on opposite sides, and then you have one thing on the T. So I say at least three, because you need to have one on each one of those points. And that's you know, makes the three points of a T, the arms and the body. And then the... Um, but you can obviously have more than three because you could have, say, two at one of those points and one planet at another point, etc. You could have, you know, up to, say, like, probably three on each one of those points, although that would be very rare. T-squares are fairly rare, but they do happen, and we see them happening um, in the global alignment of planets on a fairly regular basis. Customarily, you have to have uh, two of the outer planets um, in some kind of a square already, which is what we have. We have Uranus and Pluto are square. And then a third planet, usually a faster-moving one, moves into that third position and creates this you know, shape of a T, where the Earth is, is in the middle between these three planets that are making this right angles to each other. In, in this case, what's happening is that the sun is moving into that third position, and it's going to be happening tomorrow that it's actually at this very um, uh, uh, vital, you know, it's vital. In astrology, the numbers are very important because it's all about geometric angles and the way that sacred geometry works because it sets up a certain kind of vibrational harmonic, you know. And right angles make not such good vibrations because they are a little bit unstable, they're a little bit discordant, the energies don't really fit well together. When we talk about um, Aries and Capricorn, just to begin with, and we have you know, talked about this on previous shows, but to review it a little bit, Aries is an energy that has to do with the strong sense of the individual, a strong sense of you know, righteousness and rebellion and boldness and kind of in-your-face entrepreneur is an Aries energy. And Capricorn is more of a staid, gentrified, paternal. You think of the archetypes of Aries, 
it's almost like the youthful warrior and the Capricorn is sort of the tribal elder. And we know sort of almost like a classic scene where the tribal elder feels that one path is the right way to go, but the youthful warrior feels that it's a different way to go. And then the two of them end up going head to head, and depending upon which movie you're watching, depends upon who ends up being right in the end. But um, the the energy is a conflicting energy. There's a conflict between a youthful sense of, um, I don't have to think about this too much. I'm just being inspired by my passions. And Capricorn, which is saying, well, you know, we can't always just react to that. We have to have a more dependable, reliable system to operate within. So those two energies are already square, and they we we have the the um, Uranian. Pluto square going on for years and again it's it's showing itself as the clash between governments and religions or anything that's a institution an organized sort of institution versus the energy of this individual rebellious energy I think and I had said this a um, couple of months ago that John Roberts when he voted in favor of Obamacare and turned over the conservatives on the Supreme Court's decision, when he became that deciding vote in the 5-4 to let Obamacare stand, that he was taking on the role of the Aries individual and the rest of the conservatives on the court who were so angry with him we're angry because they're they're taking on that role of the state. Let's not change. Let's just be grounded. Let's not do anything rash. Let's not make a really bold statement. Capricorn is a hardworking and very dependable energy, but at the same time, it's very concerned with the way decisions might impact itself. Capricorn is slow and steady, wins the race. Aries is not like that. Aries is, you know, um, burn it down if we have to, but we have to make something big. We have to create something new. We have to do something exciting. And the energy can be a little rash. Aries can be very rash and impulsive. And you see it happening uh, culturally where it's representing a sort of violent rebellion against governments. It's happened in the Middle East, and we feel those tensions even in some European countries. Those tensions are being exhibited by that square. In present time, tomorrow, the sun is going to be moving exactly into that square opposite Uranus, and it's going to be in Libra. So what it's going to add to the tension, the dynamic mix of tension, is the relationship element. So when we're thinking about... um, you know, global impact, it has to do with um, relationships that different countries may have with each other. Let's say that, you know, we have fairly good relationship with China or, um, you know, China has a relationship, let's say, with Iran or we don't have such a good relationship with Iran, but we have a good relationship with England or there's tension between right now China and Japan because they're fighting over those couple of small islands in the China, in the Sea of Japan or the China Sea. And 
these tensions there and they represent good and bad relationships in in the global community like the relationships between countries much like we have relationships with ourselves we have relationships with you know individuals and the global community has relationships between countries so i think what happens is we see tomorrow and over the weekend for ourselves personally, some additional layer of tension coming up if someone feels like they're looking to have a relationship, they're reaching out for a relationship, and someone else is um, striking out in a very, say, even narcissistic or arrogant way, that would be an Aries person. And that Aries energy is in conflict with Libra, sun's going to be in Libra, and that independence and me, me, me kind of energy is going to be in conflict with the Libra energy, which is looking for compromise and the relationship and how do we negotiate a fairness between us. So even when you have relationships that are you know, probably generally good, but maybe somewhat on the fence, some of the time, let's say like a China-U.S. relationship, where it's very competitive and economically competitive, but yet our economic situations are very much entwined with each other, then you could have a tension emerge if one or the other was to take some kind of a selfish stance where there was going to be a more Aries energy. And it's not this is not to malign Aries at all. Aries is not necessarily the troublemaker in this situation because you see the uprising in Europe that's coming from an Aries Aries energy is also being created by the Capricorn element, the governments creating an austerity package. You know, like uh, we have to cut back and then the people end up suffering. So they rebel because they get to a point where they can't take that much oppressive energy coming from a Capricornian, a Capricornian kind of overlord energy, a father knows best because Capricorn is the archetype of the daddy. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to say something about T-squares in general, and that is that we can have them in any set of signs. In other words, um, uh, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, those signs have something in common, and then they, they're at angles to each other where they might make something called a T-square if, if the planet's aligned properly. Okay, that, that, they're the fixed signs. The, the show tonight is about the cardinal T-square because that's Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. We only need three of those, and we have the Aries, Libra, Capricorn three. And then the other possible T-square you know, combination we could get would be called mutable, and that's Gemini, Sagittarius, Virgo, and Pisces. And, you know, it's interesting in astrology when people ask, um, you know, are there signs I shouldn't get together with? Are there signs I shouldn't be with? Are there signs I should look out for that don't work out for me? They always come from these groupings. So that if you're a cardinal sign, if you're one of those four, Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, then it is within that group that you have your, you know, least compatible combination because the familiarity with that those signs have with each other is that they're they're kind of disconnected. The energy is disconnected in a very specific way. Or the same for Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. 
that if you're one of those signs, the other three are the least good for you. In general, that's actually the truth. The sign that's in opposition and the signs that are square are the ones that, you know, we usually don't get along with so well because there's tension in those squares. In in the in the there it's called like a grand square or a T square and it's just energy that's abrasive and doesn't work very well together. I have a uh, another uh, caller in the on the switchboard. I'd like to find out who that is. Hi, area code eight five seven. You're on the inside uh, connection. Hi, this is Ashanti. Who is it? Ashanti. Hi, Ashanti. How are you? I'm well. Have you called into the show before? No, this is actually my first time. Okay. Have you ever had an astrology reading before? Um. I I have a few years back. Okay, but not since a few years back. <laughs> right. Okay, hon. So let me just uh, A-S-H-A-N-T-I. Yes. And your birthday? January 30th, 1978. Okay, and do you know your birth time? Yep, 2.33 p.m. And your birth town? Uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. A Harvard girl. (laughs) (laughs) Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, You got it. Let's see what your chart says. Um, January 30th, 1978, 2.33 in the afternoon, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, you have several planets in Libra, and uh, it does make you fairly relationship-oriented. You know, your moon is there. You have your moon in Libra. You also have your destiny points in Libra. Are you in a relationship right now? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been there for a while? Yeah. Yeah. I would think. Just because you're very relationship-oriented, it's just something that's always been really important to you. You're very nurturing, very maternal, you know. Do you have kids? Not yet. You want kids? Yes. Okay. So um, we can talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, Your Venus is actually in Aquarius conjunct your sun. So it makes you, you know, feminine and friendly. And uh, you, you seem to have the chart of somebody who's very... Sort of outgoing, you could be a little intense, maybe you're a little intimidating for people because of that intensity. You know, you don't mind it because you think that it's real, but um, but for a lot of people, they're a little bit like, Oh my god, did she just say that? And is she gonna, you know, and so that's fine because you see it as a way of being intimate with people and you don't really want to have it any other way. And you've learned, I think, over the course of your life that people who you can't trust. You know, like, it's better off for you to not have them around you. And so I would imagine that you've turned your back on a lot of relationships when you've discovered that, you know, they weren't trustworthy and you were participating in it. Like, in other words, you were either going to save them with that amazing Aquarian way or you were going to mother them and that they were finally going to find out that somebody loved them. But then you just found out that they were no good and you had to be like, okay, done. 
And that was that. You turn your back and like in traditional sort of Aquarian way, having a lot of air in your chart, you're really just able to be like, okay, that's it. I have had enough of you. It's not the only part of your chart, but it sort of stands out to me because you have all three air signs in your chart. You also have Jupiter and Gemini. So you're a very... Um, intellectual, social, you're a thinker. You're somebody that likes to communicate, that likes to laugh, that likes to have people over, that wants to have a personal relationship, that wants to have a romantic relationship, that wants to be a homeowner, that works very hard, you're very dedicated, you're very reliable, you know, but at the same time, you will, you'll draw a very strong line in the sand if you discover that any of those people that you're really giving a lot of yourself to aren't worth your time. And it's taken you, you know, some years to figure that out. It's not like something because you have Pisces at the midheaven. So for a long time you were like, well, my identity is really based on how kind and selfless and nurturing I am. And then you just discovered that people will just suck you dry until they're done with you. <laughs> yeah. You're I don't know. Good. Am I on yeah. to something? Yeah. That, yeah. You, that's me. <laughs> when yeah. enough is enough. And that's however, enough, and there's no however, coming back from that. You're at a point in your life for sure where I think you're about to move on to something that's definitely deeper and more meaningful. So tell me, children are really on your mind now? Yes. Yeah. That's what I see because Saturn is moving into your fifth house, and um, it's the ruler of your seventh, and, you know, it's just, I, it, it's time, right? What does that mean? So when you say that it's the ruler of my seventh and it's in my fifth Well, house, it means that in the rela- your re- the ruler, the seventh means that it's relationships. So your relationship itself, uh, you know, I'm assuming you're in a relationship with a man. Yeah. Right. So the relationship itself is moving into the house of procreative energy and children he he's coming along now for the ride. He wants to have children too. The funny thing is, is that my husband actually has Uranus in Scorpio in the fifth house as well. Uh huh. That's not that's not the only planet he has there, but he has that too. It's just at a different degree. Okay. Right. What's funny about that? I just thought. I mean, is that normal for people to have? You know, well, he he has to have cancer rising then also, or he does. Leo or Jim. huh? He does. He has cancer rising. Yeah, that's why your planets are lined up similarly like that. Okay. To me, it, it's is he older than you? No. He's younger. About a year. Or, okay, so roughly the same age. So he he has Uranus almost at the same degree. I think what happens for you is that you get pregnant almost unexpectedly. That's Uranus in the fifth house. And when Saturn conjoins your Uranus, I think you discover that while you've been trying and you're, you know, it's almost sort of like, well, here it is. Now you finally opened up to it. Have you been trying? No, because I I, I was working on getting my career off the ground. Okay. And how's that? Um, you know, things are starting to come along. Okay. I, I I can't be mad at it. Doors are starting to. It's like whatever, whatever lesson I was supposed to learn, I feel like the universe is like, okay, you're done with that. 
now it's, we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you're about to have a Jupiter return next year. You know, like Jupiter is going to return to Gemini in late Gemini in the summer of 2013. I know that sounds like a whole year away. What does that mean? But it's really only about nine months. And, um, and you know, that, that's also something to do with expanding your um, – your routine and the things that you need to maintain and being connected to, you know, it's not only work, it's a time for good health. It's a time for, you know, a positive expression of creativity for you. It's like a, it's like a real growth opportunity, even though children fit into that as far as I'm concerned, because you're going to have to work, you know, you're going to have to work like having a baby is a lot of work. Okay, so Saturn in the fifth house is about It brings creation. a focus. Saturn in the oh. fifth house brings a focus to wanting to have children. That's why I kind of sensed that. And when Saturn conjuncts your natal Uranus, that's when you're likely to have almost like an unexpected pregnancy or an unexpected, like even if you're trying, it seems like maybe you're doubting it. Oh, so it's unexpected. Okay, okay. And then your Jupiter return, which happens next year, is like an an increase in your daily routine and what it is that you need to take care of and the things that you need to maintain. It's about maintenance and caring for things that you've, you know, created. Like your business is a part of that. If your business is doing well, your business is going to do even better next year. And even if you have a baby, you're still going to have to dedicate energy to it, right? Right. Right. So it looks like your business is going to do fine. And it's a good thing, I think, that Saturn's moving out of your fourth house and moving away from your moon. And I don't know, there's been a little bit of loneliness for you in the last year. You feel emotionally not understood. And hopefully that's feeling a little bit lighter. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I woke up this morning like, what? Thank you, God. What was that? That was I mean, Saturn. I didn't know exactly what mood. it was, but it was yeah, that was intense. That was yeah, intense. it's very intense because the moon is the way we express ourselves emotionally, and Saturn can be very heavy if it's not, you know, if it's not liberated, if it's not, if you're, if it, if you're still working things out, then it feels very oppressive. Yeah, and that's how it felt. It was crazy. It was like, uh, that's, can I ask a question about? Sure. Um, okay, so you said um, the Venus, the, my Venus and my son are in Aquarius, but they're both in the eighth house. Yeah. So how exactly does that translate in terms of, like, do I have, um, like, what is, like, there's an, is that where the well, intensity it's comes from? I mean, it's sexual, so it makes you, you know, interested in sexuality, but it's more than, I mean, the eighth house is Scorpio, so it, it is sexual. I mean, I can't, you can't get away from that, that, you know, you're, but I feel like it's a loving kind of sexuality and a fair-minded. You definitely want, um, and hopefully you have a husband who treats you like that, like an equal in all respects, where it's not just that you're some, you know, possession or that you're 
just like some beautiful woman he can have whenever he wants to. In other words, you're, you're not into, I don't think, being treated that way. You want a very equal-based relationship with a lot of communication, a lot of intimacy, intimate communication, meaning honesty. For me, intimacy means honesty. It's like when we get real with each other. You you seem to really want that, and hopefully he's that kind of guy. So it's, it's the conjunction, having Venus and the sun next to each other, is about bringing your femininity very strongly into alignment with who you are. So, and since you are a woman, and, you know, in a man's chart, we would be focusing a little bit more on Mars, but in a woman's chart, we focus on Venus, and your Venus energy, also, she's a very, you know, equal opportunity person, she's she's a very fair-minded, she has a lot of high ideals, that's connected with something that you really most are. So you want a lot of, I think, personal honesty, and you're probably very capable of having some very open conversations. It would seem to me that you're very, you know, like um, you like it when it gets intense. But, yeah, yeah, you like it when it gets intense. But that's because you want the truth. Yeah. Well, that's Venus and the sun conjunct in the eighth house. So is that like a positive thing, though, for it to both I be think in so. the house? Is that a positive thing? Yeah, because, you know, eighth house is associated with other people's stuff and death and rebirths and all that other. And what's wrong with all of that? Nothing. I'm just asking. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't see I don't see it, you know, being anything being wrong with that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever taken care of anyone who's dying if your parents are both still alive, you know, any of those things. But, it, the, the, you know, where the planets are in your chart are the lessons that you're here to learn. So you're here to learn some lessons about those things, but who's who's not here to experience death, let's say. You know what I mean? We, we all experience it because we all have parents. So even if we were completely friendless our parents pass away at some point so we all learn we all experience death in our lives we're having the sun and venus in the in the eighth house it doesn't the eighth house doesn't frighten me it's about learning how to manage that but i would think that because you have a sun venus conjunction you're able to do that with great grace you know with the with the sense of your you know you're a woman i don't i would think that you're not distant from your feelings you know how to feel grief you know how to right. be a good friend. You know, it's right. like friendship in there. So maybe like, you know, when you're saying eighth house is other people's stuff, but maybe a girlfriend has lost her mother and you were there for her, you know. That's a way of learning Venus in the eighth house in Aquarius because Aquarius rules friendship. So there's lots of ways during the course of your life that you're going to learn what this lesson is about being a friend to somebody who's passing away or being a friend to someone that you're having a sexual relationship with, like your husband. I would imagine you can't be in a marriage that you don't feel where your friend where it's not friendship. You must feel like he's your friend. Right. Right, because it's so Aquarian. Or again, in shared resources, you know, like if he's making money and you need to borrow some then you you don't you know, it's a friendship, it's it's sharing. Those are the lessons of the eighth. 
So I don't see any problem with that in 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 relationship to your chart at all. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, it's really awesome. good to talk to you, and thanks for calling into the show. Thank you. You're welcome, hon. I hope you have a good night. You too. Really nice caller. Thanks, Ashanti, for being on the show. That was really a good a good conversation, and um, you know, hopefully, you got something out of that, and that was. Um, Positive uh, reading on the inside connection. I love doing them. It's the guest call in number is 213-943-3395. Always have a shout out for my people who are listening to the show in the archives. That number is growing every week, to my astonishment, because I guess I'm not really publicizing or advertising the show. But it seems like more and more people are finding it out. Yay. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's Astro Healer. Dr. Craig on Facebook, and please consider looking up my website at lahealer.com. I offer a discount to anyone who'd like to do private work with me in my private practice. Area code 413, you're on the Inside Connection. Hi, how are you tonight? I'm good, how are you? Who am I speaking with? Thank you. I'm sorry? Who am I speaking with? Um, What's your name? Christina. Oh, hi, Christina. Have you called in before? No, I have not. Okay, great. Well, I have my astrology software open. And um, what's the first initial of your last name? J. And your birthday? 418. Oh, Yes. Go ahead. 1974. The reason I think I'm trying to slow us down a little bit is on my connection, your connection is just a little garbled. So if it's slower, then I think I'm not having that reverb. So the time you were born? 9-19. Uh-huh. A.M. A.M. And what town? Holyoke, Massachusetts. Yes. I know it. Got it. Massachusetts. Well, you know, got it. The the software is so good. Smallest towns in the middle of Poland. This this software has it. It does. It's weird. It's really weird. It is. I worked with this Polish couple the other day via Skype, and the guy was like, "Oh, you'll never have my birth town." And it was some really obscure little tiny town. And sure enough, the software and this astrology program had that little tiny town and its longitude and latitude. So, wow, really, wow, what an interesting chart you have, huh? Very, (laughs) very, yeah, very interesting chart. You have almost everything grouped into very specific areas about career and friendship and sort of a self-discovery uh, you have a little bit of a self-discovery thing, and then you have your moon's north node, your destiny point in the sixth house in Sagittarius. So, uh, you know, what do you do for work? I'm a painter. <laughs> ah, very good. With all that Pisces in the tenth, um, you know, first thing I would say, if you've never shown your work internationally, if you've never tried to find some international clients, um, you should definitely do that because you have that. Sagittarius in the sixth is about finding success in your work through 
contacting people outside of your own community. So some kind of um, uh, foreign show or finding foreign investors or foreigners that would be interested in your work. But it's perfect for you to be in art because you have so many planets in the 10th house, which is about career, um, and you have so many planets, like strong Jupiter, the moon, and Venus. And if you were listening to the last caller, again, I'm talking to you, you're a woman, so Venus is very important in your chart, and it's conjunct the moon and conjunct Jupiter in the 10th house. You know, it's like a very big, connected, empathic, artistic, you're very sensitive, you know, you're a very, very sensitive person. I mean, sometimes you're... I don't know, maybe like you feel like it, you're too deep, it's too hard for you to connect, you want for it to just be more cut and dry, and where does all this sensitivity come from? But I think mostly because Venus is in Pisces also, that you're connected to it. I mean, there's some chance that your mother was a little bit like, you know, taken aback by your sort of bold and whiny nature and I'm sure you've even gotten accused of that even at this age. But it's yeah. like when you were little, it was really standout. You know, you were like a really bold whiner. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <wow. laughs> and, you know, like so some sometimes people were a little bit like, okay, Christina, enough, it's too much. You know, But if that came from your sensitivity, and now you're capable of turning that into art. That's just beautiful. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful beautiful and i want to let you know if your birth time's correct 9 19 a.m then neptune which is the ruler of your 10th house is going into your 10th house it has been you already feel the shift you already feel the shift yeah. in your artwork that it's getting taken to a whole new level you have two three four five five four and a half five years you have like four and a half to five years of just continually retransforming your art and finding that it's deeper and more psychic and more connected and more powerful for like the next five years. It's going to just completely blossom. And the oh. meat of that is probably in year three, four, and five. So, no, well, maybe even, yeah, two, three. Yeah, not next year. It's definitely not 2013. You're going to have a very subtle change and growth there but subsequently to that let me tell you you stick with it because when you have that uranian opposition when you turn 41 it's going yeah. to be very powerful you're going to you're going to collaborate you're going to establish some really important connections right now as neptune's just moved into your first house it's about dissolving out your rationale for art, you know, because you are an Aries, so you're going to have a certain part of you that's a little self-absorbed because it's hard to be an Aries and not be that way. But you're trying to work on that. You know, you're trying to say, like, ah, oh, I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about the message. You know, I want this to be about the collective and what I'm feeling and the emotional message. You're going to continue to allow that to become the more and more and more important part of your art. Okay. Oh uh, next That's year, 2013, at the end, Jupiter is going to move into your first house. That's going to be good. You're going to maybe re-express. I think you need to also learn a foreign language. Do you speak any? 
Um, a little bit, but I've, that's been on my mind, absolutely. <laughs> you, you, you need, you need to go for that. You need to stop avoiding that. It's not a bad thing. You could have music in that language playing while you're doing your art. You could have, you know, tapes. You could watch movies in that language on just some, you know, like little TV screen in the room while you're doing your art. You can you know, just let it come into you. You know, you don't have to make a chore out of it. You can let it allow it to come into you in that Piscean way where all of a sudden you've you've immersed yourself in listening to the sound. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> okay. Where are you living right now? I'm still in the same area. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. But I haven't felt um, really guided to do something somewhere else, and I'm really chomping at the bit or something to present itself, but I'm kind of hoping to have some inspiration. Well, you have to reach out, you know, and okay. I think, you know, in your chart, the home line is ruled, rules Mercury, and Uranus is going to, let me just look here at the forecasting map, Uranus is, I think, going to conjunct your, yeah, this is lovely, Neptune in your 10th house, I love it, especially mm-hmm. for an artist. If you... You know, if you weren't an artist, it could be very confusing, but you know exactly what to do with this energy. You know, this this um, very, immer- it's immersion. You're immersed in, um, yeah, you, you're not moving, you're not moving, not right now, not before the spring. No, no but it oh. does seem like, it does seem like in the spring, here it is, you move in the fall of next year. There it is. Uranus conjunct your natal Mercury. Suddenly you're just done and you move about a year from now. Suddenly. Wow. You're just like, out out of here. But I think one of the reasons for that, if you just want a heads up on that, is because right here in the spring of next year, Pluto's the ruler and Pluto's going to square Mercury and Pluto's the ruler of your sixth. Where are you working? Um, I'm working on my own, so it's been a challenge. <laughs> You're working on your own, just doing art? Yeah, yeah and I'm, I need to do something else to supplement, but I'm not really finding a good good fit right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not finding a good fit right now. It just doesn't feel like a good fit for you because your art, the art is becoming so important to you. Oh. You know, I I feel like you should... You know, go to smaller art communities on the East Coast. I'm not exactly sure where, you know, but, like, I was out in um, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. I gave a talk there at the Sun Valley Retreat Center last year. And um, the, the people that were running the facility, they took me downtown for dinner. And it was like a full on artist colony, you know, because all these people go there to ski. So I would think being in, in Massachusetts where you are, that there must be artist colonies and communities in Vermont and Massachusetts and upstate New York and New Hampshire, you know, places yeah. where, you know, it reminds me almost like of Chatham, Massachusetts. You go to a place out on the Cape, there's so many art galleries, you know, and I feel um, like for you it's about outreaching to some of those people and making those connections, Okay. So, you know, go and, and, and see other people's art and bring some, you know, 
portfolio, some pictures or some samples or whatever, you know, not to throw in people's face, but just to go in and socialize with them and find out what they're looking for. And if you do feel a fit with someone, and I just feel like you've got a good opportunity to connect with people right now. Okay, great. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. Is there anything going on in my love life at all? I mean, I, I see I see good things in your love life, but again, it's not for a little while. So what's going on in your love life right now? I mean, four degrees. When Pluto, when Pluto went into your seventh house, still a few years ago, it's like years ago. And then when it squared your natal Pluto, say three years ago, four, seven, say three years ago, did you break up with someone then? Yeah. Yeah. It's just been hard for you to rebound from that. Um, it's not like there's bad things. There's not. It's like it's okay. You know, I mean, you, you, there's no reason why you can't meet someone, you know, right now. You've got Jupiter square your moon and square your Venus. And so, but I don't know that that's a lasting person that you're going to be with all that. And you're, you know, you're at the age where you're more focused on that. You don't just want someone to date. Yeah. That's why it's harder. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That's why it's harder to find someone, just because you've changed your intention. Oh, that makes sense. He shows up. Is that okay? Sorry? This person comes to you. They show up. They do? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you you're, you just have to hold out for it. I would focus on your um I would focus on your art right now for for about another 12 months. Okay. All right? Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, really good to talk to you and thanks for calling into the show. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um another nice caller from Massachusetts there and I'm always glad to have people call in and get a reading. Love putting that energy out there because I love astrology. I want to wrap up the show talking about the T-square and the best use of it because, remember, it's this weekend and we don't want to have any you know, stellar fights with anybody. We want to be able to uh, connect with them and use the, the energy of this T-square to our benefit. And the way in which we do that is we find the bridging, the bridge between our own independence, but our need to compromise. That would be our the Aries Libra. Or our own sense of structure with our need for independence. You know, we all have a certain reputation, and, you know, maybe somebody else is, you know, we feel that the choices that they're making are too rash. It's always about communication, and since the sun is actually in Libra, that's a really positive thing. So even though it's activating the cardinal square, it's a very positive thing that the sun in Libra is bringing energy to our relationships for compromise and for communication. If it was the kind of T-square where we didn't have any air present, you know, if it was, say, the sun in Cancer, which would be the opposite, and it was that was the, the the square was Aries, Cancer, Capricorn. It might be a lot more difficult. But since it's Libra, 
Aries Capricorn, we have a um, a communicator in the midst of the of the tension, and we have somebody that's trying to hold it together. Perhaps in some of these world conflicts, a Libra will show up. A great mediator will be present to help uh, calm down some of the tensions that are going on. I think Hillary Clinton's been doing a fabulous job of that since she's been on uh, on call probably 24-7 with all of the State Department tensions that we have going on uh, around the globe. So uh, kudos out to Hillary for all of her work in mediating tensions and disputes and being a level-headed representative of the United States in that way. A statesman, this is Libra. Libra is a statesman. So that energy where we're there and we're communicating and we're wanting to have a fair outcome, it applies to everyone that we're working with and everyone that we're, um, uh, you know, uh, wanting to have a partnership with, it, whether that's in work or in romance. Sorry, I had a hard time getting that out. Relationships don't only have to be romantic. They can also be work-related relationships. So for some of the callers tonight, it's a question of reaching out and finding the relationships, whether it's, you know, the lovely woman who called in with the husband. This is, uh, you want to have a baby? Discuss it. Find out how to make that happen, you know. How are we going to make that happen? Do we really want that? Are we prepared? Put those needs out. Put that intention out. You're an artist. You want to sell your art. You, you have to say, that's my intention. The way I'm going to make a living out of my art is by sharing my art and with people who are enjoying my art, who are willing to pay money for my art. And I think that that's, you know, a really good thing. Uh, an artist in my practice actually just sent me a link to, I think it was showcase.com, which was an artist's link where artists go and upload paintings and works of art that can be bought. And there's places, you know, where then the original art gets uh, sent to the buyer. So there's not always a lot of opportunities, I think, for us to reach out and establish relationships with other people in business and things like that. So um, no, no fear of the T-square. Um, it is going to be tense, and we might see some tension out there. But on the flip side, it relieves the tension, and having the sun in Libra is a beautiful way for us to ensure that we have fairness and communication in our interactions while we go through some of these hard changes and these hard times. I'm going to leave you with Eddie Vedder and Hard Sun. I'm Dr. Craig Martin, and I'll be here next Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific. Thanks for listening to the Inside Connection. from above When I climbed down to be set free She took me in again There's a big A big hot sun Beating on the big people In a big hot world 
Up her head. 